0: Greetings, greetings. Welcome to another episode of Truth to Power. I am your host, Tyrus McKnight. Um, Thank you guys for joining me tonight. Um, Usually I do the show on Wednesday, but with um, me filming this documentary and doing all such such other things and so many other things, uh, it's been very difficult to, you know, to sit down and do this podcast like I want to. Um, But... For those who don't know, I was on um, the O.T. Morning Show in New Orleans on a radio station. And I was um, basically doing some promotion for my documentary that's coming out called New Orleans Politics. Um, And within that show, I mentioned uh, things like um, Joe Biden running for president and how he's no better than Trump. Uh, But before that, I want to touch on this. Recently, um, Minister Farrakhan was banned from Facebook, <clears throat> and he was mentioned um, with the likes of Milo Yiannopoulos, who I mentioned on this show before, and also Laura Luma. Now, all these suspected white supremacists, they try to put Minister Farrakhan in the same breath as them, when that's not true. Minister Farrakhan has always spoken up for black people. He has always defended black people and he's always spoke against white supremacy. Now, they talk about he's being anti-Semitic, which is a complete lie because he's never said anything remotely anti-Semitic. And for the people, for my thing is this, for the people talking about anti-Semitism, this is my thing. Who's more anti-Semitic than a white supremacist? And most of the white Jewish people, they don't like black people anyway. Now, this whole thing about anti-Semitism, anytime you say anything about a Jewish person, it could be viewed as anti-Semitism. Just look at uh, LeBron James when he had to apologize for for quoting a 21 Savage lyric. And he was basically giving them a compliment by saying that they got a lot of money and a lot of wealth in their community. There wasn't an epithet. Now we got white Jewish people and um like the comedian that was big uh, Chris Rock, his name escapes me at the moment. But we got white people, white Jewish people like that saying nigga, and we got everybody else saying nigga, but when they say nigga, they want you to come to their defense. And black people we got a bad habit of coming to other people's defense and not our own. And we need to stop that. Uh, But um, I'm going to play a little bit of the morning show when I was talking about my documentary, New Orleans Politics, which I think is a very important documentary for the city. I'm doing this for the city. Um, And I always say, and I quote um, Jason Black here, when I say that the mission is bigger than me. So I'm not putting myself before the mission. It wasn't about me. It was about the city of New Orleans and how we need to shift our focuses on economic empowerment and black empowerment as a whole. But when I was talking about Joe Biden, this is Joe Biden's third time running for office. For those who don't know, Joe Biden, uh, he was Barack Obama's choice for vice president, right? But that's a small screen for black people. Black people think just because somebody is acting friendly, that that means that they're a friend, which isn't true. A lot of people, and black people know this, because, but, but you know, we, for some reason, as a whole, we don't want to face the truth. We don't want to face the fact that most of these suspected and confirmed white supremacists, they don't want to see us alive. They want to hurt us. They want to harm us. They're committing terroristic acts. Even when something's right in front of us, we hate to admit it. See, people like, see, we like to play this as a mental game with, the, with ourselves and say, oh, well, maybe they didn't mean it like that, or maybe they didn't want to No, They meant it like they said it. And Joe Biden, being one of the architects of mass incarceration, has devastated the black community. Now, when we talk about um, drugs and um, the war on drugs and um, them flood, actually flooding black communities with drugs, in the um, late 80s, early 90s, that devastated the black community, man. They did. It just devastated the black community. A lot of people got locked up um, for um, homeless crimes. You know, nobody was home. They were just smoking crack and they got locked up for life. But now that the the, opioid academic is happening for white people, you don't see them getting locked up. And black people, they devastated families, communities, just a whole bunch of black people. And then the crazy thing is, once it was found out that Ronald Reagan, Oliver North, George Bush, all these people were in on it, on flooding the drugs into the country and sending the drugs into the country, then, you know, black people should have said, that's entrapment. Because... You can't give me drugs to sell when I'm impoverished and lock me up for selling the same drugs that you gave me. You allowed this to happen and you wanted this to happen. And people say, well, basically they say, oh, well, sell drugs, I don't care where you sell them at. Where do you think they're going to go put the drugs at? Do you think they're going to go, they really going to go put the drugs in um, white communities or white affluent communities? No, they're bringing them black communities bringing them into black communities and the crazy thing is um and even I just want to touch on this for a moment I was watching this um, movie called white boy Rick it's about the true story of this um white guy by the name of Rick or Richard and um he was selling drugs for the um government and then he started branching out selling on his own and people are saying oh well he's in, in jail for life, he got a life sentence, and he needs to be free. But if that's the case. The case that they need to free Big Meach, they need to free all these black drug dealers. What about Larry Hoover? Do you know? Free for man. Free these black drug dealers. If that's the case, if y'all not gonna be fair across the board, don't be. Don't even bring that bullshit over here talking about some what, what they need to free and who they need to free. If one person doesn't benefit from white privilege, white people see that as a loss. And we need to start thinking like that as well. But back to Joe Biden. Joe Biden has a history of white supremacist rhetoric. He has a history of saying that black men are sociopaths and they can't be redeemed and it can't be rehabilitated as citizens. He has a history of saying that. Joe Biden, he's been a, he has been an evil bastard for a long time. And just because he acts friendly with um, Barack Obama, that means nothing. Because to be totally honest with you guys, Barack Obama doesn't like black people either. He doesn't. He's done nothing for black people. As a matter of fact, when we had that Baltimore uprising in Baltimore, when they unjustly killed Freddie Gray, he called black people thugs. And black people need to get over that bullshit. We got to be honest with ourselves. And we got to be honest and tell ourselves that Barack Obama did nothing for us. And the people surrounded by Barack Obama has done nothing for us. And he's done more harm. And even when they were were killing black kids in the streets, Barack Obama didn't even sign any type of orders to protect us, or to protect our children. That says a lot. And that's why the Democratic Party is in trouble today. Black people are saying that we need tangibles. Black people are saying that we need some protection and we need resources. So if they're not going to um, hold some type of responsibility towards us as a voting class or a voting block, which is the black community, and black people say, listen, we we'll just drop out. We'll just drop out. We're done with this blind loyalty to this one party that has done nothing for us and that continues to do nothing for us. So we'll continue to do what we've been doing. And we'll stay side so we we'll keep our votes ourselves. And if you haven't noticed, the Democratic Party is in disarray because I think this is like, what, the sixth candidate within the last six months that they keep trying to push towards the black people? I want you guys for one moment to listen to Senator Joe Biden at the time of Delaware talking about the crime bill.
1: We may- it doesn't matter whether or not the person that is accosting your son or daughter, or my son or daughter, my wife, your husband, my mother, your parents. It doesn't matter whether or not they were deprived as a youth. It doesn't matter or not whether or not they had no background that enabled them to have to uh, become a, a social, uh, become socialize into the fabric of society it doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society the end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe shoot my sister beat up my wife take on my sons so i don't want to ask what made them do this they must be taken off the street that's number one there's a consensus on that unless we do something about that cadre of young people, tens of thousands of them, born out of wedlock, without parents, without supervision, without any structure, without any conscience developing, because they literally, I give myself three more minutes, because they literally have not been socialized, they literally have not had an opportunity. We should focus on them now. If we don't, they will, or a portion of them will, become the predators 15 years from now. And Madam President, we have predators on our streets that society has, in fact, in part because of its neglect, created. Again, it does not mean because we created them that we somehow forgive them or do not take them out of society to protect my family and yours from them. They are beyond the pale, many of those people. Beyond the pale. And it's a sad commentary on society. We have no choice but to take them out of society. And the truth is, we don't very well know how to rehabilitate them at that point. That's the sad truth. I'm the guy that said, rehabilitation, when it occurs, we don't understand it and notice it. And when we even when we notice it and we know it occurs, we don't know why. So you cannot make rehabilitation a condition for release. That's why in our system, there's the federal system, you serve 85% of your time. It's a shame, but we don't know how to rehabilitate. But there is a consensus, and I will cease. A, we must make the streets safer. I don't care why someone is a malfactor in society. I don't care why someone is antisocial. I don't care why they become a sociopath. We have an obligation to cordon them off from the rest of society, try to help them, try to change the behavior. That's what we do in this bill. We have drug treatment and we have other treatments to try to deal with it. But they are in jail. Away from my mother, your husband, our families. But we would be being we would be absolutely stupid as a society if we didn't recognize the condition that nurtured those folks still exist and we must deal with that.
0: So what you heard right there was Senator Joe Biden saying he doesn't care even though black people have suffered four hundred years of horror this is in the 90s horror that they should be locked up. They can't be rehabilitated. He doesn't believe in rehabilitation. Even though the system is white supremacy, the medicine is killing all black people, getting them away from them. Now, Joe Biden is a hard-down racist, and y'all just heard the audio. I'm not making this up. He's been a hard-down racist. He's been a hard-down white suspected white supremacist. Joe Biden ain't the answer. And he's never going to be. Now this whole thing about his whole friendship with Barack Obama. That's bullshit. Bullshit and horseshit. He was one of the architects of mass incarceration against black people. And just because Barack Obama chose him. Don't mean shit. The Democratic Party is. They're lost. Like I said earlier, they're in disarray. And they're looking for a viable candidate that could do something that could change the tide. And I guess they say, Joe, I guess your third time Chong. There a beauty, the charm. But it wasn't counting on black people Want tangibles. We don't want no more speeches. We don't want no more marches. We want tangibles. We want things that we could touch. So we could protect ourselves from these white supremacists. Because without resources, you can't protect yourself. And black people are the poorest people in America, if not the world. And they see that. But I want to say this too. However, it doesn't mean that we are at a loss. It doesn't mean that we're doomed. We still have hope. But we gotta act on this stuff right now. This is the most dangerous time right now for black people. We got race soldiers pulling up. We got a hardcore suspected white supremacists in the office. We got another hardcore white supremacist running in the office. And black people, it's not that we lost, we know what to do. We just gotta do it. Gotta get our money together, get our resources together. Band together, sit together, and stay together. Next year is the election year, and it's about Tangibles 2020. Tangibles 2020. That's the move. And the Democratic Party, they just biding in their time. As I'm as I'm putting it right now. That's a 10 minute show that bid in their time before it all falls apart. Now thank you guys for listening. This has been the episode of Truth to Power. Tangibles twenty twenty. We just spoke Truth to Power.
2: Morning Show with Oliver O.T. Thomas. We're back. Welcome back to the Good Morning Show. Man, want to thank all our contributors, man. Queen, the Ambe, Yeah, thank you so much, man, for gifting us. I want to thank the Equity Media Group. Businessman Troy Henry, businessman Cleveland Spears. businessman, media mogul Jeff Thomas, and Wendell Pierce. Thank you guys so much, Equity Media Group and its acquisition. WBOK, I want to thank everybody who tuned in and weighed in. I want to thank the callers who called in. And, and, and Lee, I was really thankful for folks to call in and say our education of them, a fair share, uh, was the reason that why they understood it, the reason why they called the governor, the, the legislature, uh, to make sure that people got behind it. This is what we do here to inform the public. Uh, if you're not thinking for yourself, somebody else is thinking for you. If you're not armed with accurate information, you're just armed with stuff, right? Talking about being armed, the documentarian. Uh, filmmaker, young man who just doesn't deal with alternative facts, he deals with the facts, Mr. Tyrus McKnight. Welcome to the Good Morning Show. Thank you for having me. Th- th- Black th- Thank you. So so. who is Tyrus McKnight? Uh, uh, why did you get into uh, documentaries and filmmaker? And, uh, uh, t- you know, w- what is your story in terms of uh, educating and informing uh, everyone that you touch? Okay. Uh, Tyrus McKnight, he's a um, guy having a human experience.
0: Um, and the reason why I wanted to get into documentaries is because I've always been inspired by people like um, Tariq Nasheed um, with the Hidden Color ser- mm-hmm. series. Yes. Uh, Jason Black with his mm-hmm. series, Gentrified, and things of that nature. And the city of New Orleans, me and the city of New Orleans, we have a long relationship. Although mm-hmm. I am from, I hail from Kenna, Louisiana, mm-hmm. me and the city of New Orleans, we have a long relationship. That's
2: New Orleans suburb, Kenna, Louisiana. Yes, sir.
0: Okay. And um, I went to actually um, got my bachelor's at Suno. I got my master's at Xavier um, in clinical mental health, and one thing that I've noticed uh, when we talk about impoverished people, impoverished people, they have a different type of mindset. And and, and, terms, wh-
2: and what type of mindset is that, uh, Brother McKnight?
0: In terms of um,
2: impoverished people's mindset, is what uh,
0: impoverished people's mindset is that they have to survive by any means, mm-hmm. you know, and once you put a people in that situation. Then you get crime, you get all types of um, illegal activities, you get certain things you get
2: You get what Queen uh, Diambe said was maladopted behavior. Yes, sir. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Just as she said.
0: And um, in a majority black city where uh, we should be controlling the majority of the economics, I find that to be a problem. So... Why don't we control more the economics? Why is it that people with no credit mm-hmm. history in this country could come over here, and build businesses in our neighborhoods, and benefit from us?
2: We talk about that, that a lot on the Good Morning Show. If you heard our businessman earlier talk about uh, black excellence is real, not just being a black businessman, but being a businessman and being accepted as such. Why is it? Uh, we've had uh, years of, uh, of, of African American leadership uh, in politics and uh, in, in, in activism uh we've had uh i think uh, uh years of black mayors, black representatives on boards and agencies and political offices. Why is there still such a disparity with economics according to Tyrus Spena?
0: well, when you read the um book by Ray Nagin, he um describes that he went to at the Katrina he went to a meeting up in texas right mm-hmm. i I just want to bring this up
2: the dallas it, meeting, yes,
0: and they had Dallas businessmen. Telling
2: him what to do with New Orleans and what it was going to look like and shape like and what it ought to be.
0: Yes, and for I understand there were no black men in that meeting or no black people in that meeting. I think there was one or two. There was probably one or two, mm-hmm. but the majority were mm-hmm. white people, and they were, um, and they were able to tell him and try to make him do a certain way with New Orleans.
2: Controlling the economics.
0: Yeah. So when you got people in office that look like us, you know that old saying, mm-hmm. "Everybody that's your skin folk and your kin folk." Right. So when you talk about people that look like us in New Orleans, who's really controlling the politics in New
2: Orleans? And and I think it's interesting because on the show what we like to talk about is that uh, uh, a lot of the facts. So who's really controlling uh, the the interests, and how does that play into the economics or lack of economics that we have in this community, especially when we're the majority population in this community, Mr. McNamee?
0: Well, when we're talking about um, politics as a whole, even any city that's getting gentrified, and, right? And is,
2: so, is the city's getting gentrified right right now, that's yes. that's part of the economic, uh, yes. uh, not inclusion, but exclusion. Yeah. Right.
0: So, when we talk about that, then we're talking about systematic white supremacy, of course. Right. So, right. when and it's global. Guys, you're listening
2: to the Good Morning Show right here. My guest is Mr. Tyrus McKnight. Uh We're on film, merit, film, filmmaker, documentarian. Young man, especially focused on economics. Continue. I just wanted to let our listening audience know who we had in front of us.
0: Yeah. So when we um, talk about systematic rights supremacists, right. global, as the um, queen said before, she, Absolutely. she has to deal with colonialism. Queen Biambe. Mm-hmm. Yes. But in a majority black city, it behooves me or it um, it baffles me to the point where it's like, why aren't we taking control of this? As in that movie, uh, Django Unchained. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie before.
2: Uh, Several times.
0: Yeah. So Leonardo DiCaprio, his character is named Calvin Candy, right?
2: Uh, Yeah. yeah. Candyland. That was a plantation.
0: He said something very interesting. He said, you know, these blacks outnumber us on a plantation.
2: Then why haven't they ever... He said, said, if that would have been us, I would have just killed you and took over. Took over. Right. And I'm not talking about doing something that extreme. No, no, no. But that that was... uh, But uh, as far as the economics go,
0: we can... Kill these businesses, in a sense, and take over and mm-hmm. become, and as Ray Niggins said, make this a chocolate city, a real chocolate city. Mm-hmm. New Orleans should be a progressive black city, as like Atlanta, where people could come, black people could come and build businesses. Now, Dr. Claude Anderson said he spent $20,000 mm-hmm. to get out on Bourbon Street on Aretha Castle Haley. Mm-hmm. He said, but no... The mayor of New Orleans at the time, I think it was Miss Landry, offered them public housing. So mm-hmm. all the black people turned that down. But well, we got to see things in the long run. We can't see things in the short run that's going to satisfy us for the short term. Right. And politics, what it does is it affects your everyday life, whether you know it or not, especially on a local level. Because they dis- they distribute the wealth, they distribute the resources, mm-hmm. they um, distribute everything. Because black people, we don't need jobs, we need corporations, we right. need businesses. You get what I'm saying? Right. So, and that's what, that's what the scope of my film is about. My, the scope of my film is about, and it's tight, it's, I'm making it plain, like Michael Mix said, I'm making it plain. Uh, it's called New Orleans Politics. Okay. And I'm going to be... Um,
2: but it's bigger than just politics. It's
0: bigger than just, just politics.
2: politics. That's just the title.
0: Yes. It's bigger than just politics. I want to cover everything. Why are these people coming over here uh, performing us in education in every aspect of life? Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be that way.
2: Our conversation with the young man, filmmaker, uh, documentarian, Mr. Tyrus McKnight, uh, a graduate of Southern University, his master's from Xavier University, uh, his new documentary that he's working on called uh, New Orleans politics Mr. Menager, you said something earlier I tell people why aren't we more engaged politically people brag about not getting involved with politics and so I always ask the question well why wouldn't you get involved with something that fool if it fool with you you need to fool with it yeah. there needs to be a level of engagement how do you engage more of your peers more younger people now who seem to have stepped away from their civic responsibility
0: well when we talk about having a civic responsibility, the reason why young people are stepping away is because of this. Let me let me talk mm-hmm. to you about that. It's because they're not offering any tangibles. Mm-hmm. They're offering intangibles like, oh, we could give you hope. Barack Obama whole thing was, we're going to give you hope. That's not something that we could touch or benefit from right. as a young person. Right. No.
2: it Bob Hope or what Hope? Yeah, well that, Jesse keep yeah. hope alive. What, what kind? What kind? Can I touch it? Can I feel? It? Yeah. It's like we shall overcome someday. Yeah. What day? <laughs> Is it today? Will it be tomorrow? Why wasn't it yesterday? Yes.
0: Yeah. So when it comes to us and as uh, you know, and Malcolm X, and I gotta bring him up because you know I love Malcolm X, um, because his book changed my life. But uh, him and Doctor Francis Chris Wilson. But, yes. um When we talk about Malcolm X, he said. The black people are going to decide who's in the white house and who's in our house. Right. And he, and that's true. Cause we as a collective whole, we've been voting for a party that has done nothing for us mm-hmm. for a long time and we stay loyal to that party. So you don't
2: believe blacks ought to automatically be democratic and no. just, uh, just blindly give their support to the democratic party?
0: No, sir. Especially, um, and I put it to you in this way. The big topic right now is reparations, right? Mm. Now we have, uh, I'm going to say, suspect the white supremacist in, white, in the White House right now. Mm-hmm. And if Donald Trump said, hey, I'm in favor of giving all black people reparations, but the Democratic said, no, who would you vote for?
2: See, you
0: get what I'm yeah. saying? I'm a registered
2: independent. I've, yeah, I've, yeah. Yeah, I've, Me I've as been well. stopped drinking uh, the Kool-Aid. You get what I'm saying? Right. So we got to go for the party that's
0: willing to... Give us something that we could touch. Mm-hmm. Some intangibles. Something that's gonna change our lives.
2: I so mean, you're I mean, not a Donald Trump supporter then? No, no, definitely oh, okay. not. But definitely definitely not. You're just <laughs> giving a hypothetical I'm, of, I'm, how, of a blind loyalty.
0: Yeah, blind loyalty. Okay. But I'm not the, um, I'm not gonna act on emotions as well right, either. Right. You know, I'm definitely not a, I'm the last person that's gonna be the Donald Trump supporter. <laughs> right. Um, and people around the city tell you, but there's no difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, who's trying to run right now. Because right. if you look at his history, his right. history has been anti-black as well. Right. So when we talk about people voting, um, and we got to vote with our interests, mm-hmm. we have no permanent friends, no, no permanent, permanent enemies, just, just permanent interests.
2: Interest. That's all we have. Our our interests. That's all we have. Wow, what a fascinating conversation. Uh, filmmaker, documentarian, uh, Tyrus uh, McKnight. Uh, when you talk about this f- film, and first of all, thank you for f- focusing on the economics of it. I think that is... That is the the struggle, the civil rights struggle, the civil rights struggle, the gold rights struggle. That is the struggle uh, 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 for our our community in the future. Because who cares about the numbers if we can't buy what we want, if we can't afford what we want, if we can't be involved uh, economically? Uh, Malcolm X said uh, 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 a long time ago in his his speech at Seattle University, he said that, you know, in many cases, uh, our people we're taught how to ask for something mm-hmm. when we always worked for something mm-hmm. in many cases they 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 took that out of us you, when you look at our community we don't support ourselves and the dollar stays in our community less than eight hours right. claude anderson in his book talks about there was more per capita wealth in our community hundred fifty years ago than there is now yeah. what, what do we do to change that
0: uh... what we have to do is we have to make a conscious effort of supporting black businesses Uh, One thing that I... um, Intentional. Yes, intentional. Um, Actually, actually one of my friends, he um, has this thing where he calls Bob Bob Fridays. Mm -hmm. It's called Black-Owned Business Fridays. Yes. Where he goes out and he makes a conscious effort. He rattles everybody out from work and Mm -hmm. it's um, Durango and they go out and consciously go and patronize a black business. And one of the things black people say is, well, you know, the customer service is bad. Well, you know, the thing is Well you got Asians telling you to hurry up and buy and
2: you still go up there. Absolutely.
0: After that fact and you got um A watching you
2: as you walk around the store.
0: Yeah. You got Arabs coming and telling you looking at you strange or people looking at you strange. We don't
2: blame customer service then.
0: Yeah. So we gotta stop that. We gotta make a conscious effort. Um and if you have any type of um um, if you got any type of disagreements with a black person that's doing a the business, then still tell them, Hey brother, I don't appreciate that type of customer service. However, I'm still gonna support you. But in the future could you make a conscious effort to be better at customer service. You know, we gotta be able to be strategic and we gotta be able to go into black businesses with a conscious effort that no matter what, I'm
2: gonna support them like I do these other. Now let's talk about the politics of it because uh politically in many cases uh we saw in the last administration, uh, Mayor Landrieu uh, talked about uh, black business and black but African American participation, uh, creating programs for participation. But then the disparity came out, and it showed that there was less participation than the conversation. Yeah. What do What do you expect out of political leadership in making sure or assuring that the disparity gap is closed and that African American wealth and African American earnings, especially economically, improves?
0: I expect from um, leadership to um, not just educate the masses, but to actually be involved in providing some tangibles for the masses um, of Black people, um, especially with loans, business loans. Um, th- throughout my research, um, so, so you, th- you
2: expect Black African American leadership to make resources available to match the opportunities?
0: Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And um, because that's, that's all we really need. All we need is the um, opportunities. Um, that's what I expect. Throughout my research, I found that uh, this, this city is majority black, 206,000 black people um, mm. are in New Orleans compared to 100,000 whites, 1,000 Asians, and um, I think like a couple thousand Arabs and a couple hundred Native Americans, mm. right? So throughout my research, I've seen that these people are outperforming are us at every level. Economically. E- e- economically. Right. And... Not just economically, but you know, like on the education front as well. Yes. Which has a lot to do with economics. Absolutely. Um but when we talk about leadership, we have to have not just empty promises or any type of speeches. We're done with speeches. Right. I'm tired of speeches. Right. I don't want no speeches. Right. Tell me what you're going to do for my people exactly. Tell me what you're going to do that's going to change their lives. And have
2: the policy to back it up.
0: Yes, sir. And had a policy to back it up because we want you to come to the table with something already in hand. Otherwise, what's the point of voting if you're not going to be able to benefit from that vote? You know what I'm saying? So the, the time is over for African-Americans or blacks in America to be voting with, for empty promises and all this empty rhetoric that's been thrown around. How
2: much longer is this documentary that you're doing? Uh, when do you expect to uh, uh, finish it, and, and when's your release date?
0: I'm um, expecting everything to be done by December 15, um, my release date. I have, I'm pending an AMC release. From mm-hmm. February the 20th, 2020, mm-hmm. but it's going to be on Amazon Prime, April 24th, 2020 for sure. Um, I already got the deal with them. I already set everything up. So it's going to be there. So,
2: so what's next for Tyrus night? Um, I,
0: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot going on. I have my own podcast. I have my own business. Um, probably, um, just continue counseling, continue on working with mm-hmm. the community, and uh, we'll see if I come back, with, become a filmmaker again, and uh, do this again, do this all over again. But.
2: There's so, there's so many issues, though, Mr. McKnight. Uh, uh, for you to focus on economics, uh, that's a, that's a central issue. Yes, sir. Because without economics, you know, um,
0: your you, you, your whole quietest life is affected. Mm-hmm. If if you're poor, you can't. You can't really eat if you're poor. You're more likely to commit crimes, so you end up in jail, right, right. and you can't vote anyway. Um, and we, if you're poor, then you know it's just a whole bunch of things that affect you. You can't even build up your community if you're poor. I mean, like look at a place like Audubon Place, mm-hmm. um, affluent, mm-hmm. very, very gorgeous, mm-hmm. right? But we, how many black people do you think still Audubon Place? I don't you know, think any. Any. See, and we need our own order in place. We need to start getting into that type of mindset mm-hmm. where we got to start supporting each other and and the dollar's going to circulate. Because, you know, the one thing I um, hear from most black people, when you ask them, most successful black people, mm-hmm. I say, I come up to them and be like, hey, brother, tell me how, tell me step by step, how did you do this? You know, the first thing that come out of their mouth? What? Hard work. Well, I know it's going to be hard work. right. right. Could you provide some right, type of step right. give, by step?
2: Give me something tangible. Yeah. Give me something I can do.
0: That I could do. Yeah. And
2: you know what? You don't I even agree. have to
0: pay me. I'll follow you around right. to get this, right. to learn from you. Right. But they're not willing to do that. We gotta, we gotta be able to think like this. If I know how to make a million, everybody else around me should know how to make a million. So let's
2: talk about you got those steps now. Ten years from now, Tyrus McKnight will be what?
0: Tyrus McKnight will be, uh, <laughs> probably in politics. Tyrus McKnight will, uh, be successful, Tyrus McKnight. We'll have a family, um, and I'll be continuing doing work, and I'll continue to keep fighting for our people
2: Continue, necessary. to continue, continue to be being a voice.
0: Yes, sir, if necessary. Um, but ten years from now, I think we, um, we will get it together. Ten years from now, I'm confident that we'll be able to get it together, and we'll be able to say enough is enough and um, do what Calvin Candace said, not that extreme, but in a sense of control control,
2: control our, our own. own. Control our own. Uh 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 wow, Mr. McKnight, anything, how can our listening audience get in touch with you? How can people contact you? And once again, when will this documentary come out?
0: Uh um uh, people could get in con- contact with me through Facebook, at, um Tyrus McKnight um on Facebook. You could um follow my Instagram, truth truth underscore fitness. Um and also You can listen to my podcast, Truth to Power. That's T-R-U-T-H, the the number two, and Power. Um, And also, um, the documentary is going to come out. It's pending an AMC release, February twentieth, 2020.
2: And you got your fiancé working on you with You got to give us a shout-out Yeah, I got to give
0: us a shout-out. She's been with me throughout this whole journey. Absolutely. What a
2: blessing.
0: Uh, Shout-out to Ashley Harvey. I call her Shug. Shug. Absolutely. (laughs)
2: That's your Shug. That's right.
0: Yeah, Shug. And... um, Soon that's, to be Ashley McKnight. That's the queen. Yes, yes, no Th- doubt.
2: Thank you, brother. You continue. God bless you. We hope you continue to contribute and keep using your voice. And whenever you have something to say, please reach out to us and let us know.
0: I definitely will. I
2: definitely Mr. will. Mr. Tyrus McKnight, man. Uh, when folk talk about what I, man, we got it. a lot of folk moving in a lot of positive sectors trying to contribute. There's a whole nother level of consciousness out there in the world, in this nation, in this state, and in this city. Are you conscious? Are you reimagining, like Queen, like the Queen said, uh, your existence and our contributions? Are you continuing to let someone thank for yourself? And as Jeff Thomas always say, Brother uh, McKnight, if you're not thinking for yourself, somebody else is what? Thank you for you. Everybody have a wonderful day.